Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Because it was such a good vibe uh, about the win yesterday for Arkansas that we would start with what happened in Gainesville on Saturday. Hopefully, uh, Matt will be okay from a, a playing standpoint. But so, so this, this is let's watch this. This is Trey Shap, one hundred three seven. The bus. He got this as Sam Pittman walked off the field. Look at the happiness. That's his wife Jamie behind him. So he's looking at the corner section where there's probably, you know, 1,000, 2,000 Razorback fans. And I want you to watch what happens with K.J. Jefferson and offensive coordinator Kenny Gotten here at the end. Just, just, just enjoy this. You can jack up that sound a little bit uh, if you can. Mate. There's KJ. So now watch what happens right here. He's getting ready to see Kenny Guyton. He realizes Kenny's outside. This is in the causeway outside the locker room. So there's... There's Jamie. That's Coach Pittman's wife right there getting hugged. So KJ sees Kenny. There's Kenny Guyton right there squeezing Sam. So so KJ's waiting on him. He's waiting on him. There he is. Watch this. And then he goes on, he does a muscleman, he goes into the locker room and takes off his, uh, yeah, you can see even some more over there. It's fine, Matt, that's good. But takes off his shirt in the locker room. And so uh, I know your fiance, which we'll get to a little bit later, is a big Gator fan, but uh, I know that you're a big Sam Pittman fan too. But talk about that game and what you saw yesterday. Yeah, you know, I had the Arkansas-Texas A&M game in Arlington a few weeks ago. I had the Ole Miss game the very next week. And you guys know more than anybody, they've been so close in so many games throughout the season. And the one thing that I've noticed, not just from this season, but from any Sam Pittman-led team, this is a team that hasn't given up. This is a team that keeps fighting. And that's a really hard thing to do when you get into the month of November, maybe not having had the season that you were hoping. It's easy for 17 to 22-year-old folks to check out at that point and this team has not done that under Sam Pittman I would say the same thing about those two games that I just mentioned it didn't end up happening for him from a win-loss standpoint but there was still that fight and we were joking about it yesterday when you picked me up from the airport when Florida got the ball back with 30 seconds left I'm watching it going oh my gosh there's and I know all y'all were too like here we go again and for this team to continue to fight, Sam Pittman was on SEC this morning with Chris Doring and Peter Burns this morning. I was listening to the interview, and he said that he looked over on the sideline, and he looked at KJ, and he looked at Rocket, and he looked in the faces of his players, and he just knew there was no way they were walking off that field without that win. And I thought that that means not only meant so much to the team, to Sam, to the staff, but for the rest of the month of November, you guys mentioned it, it only gets more challenging when you play in the SEC to finish out the rest of the season. Maybe this is that shot in the arm for the team. Kenny Guyton deserves all the flowers in the world for calling the game that he had. So I feel like this could be 
maybe a spark for Arkansas to finish the year well? Well, you have a chance to uh, to visit with all the coaches. You know, every everybody at the SEC Network, and I, I know that. So, so what has been your perception of Sam, the struggles that he's had this year and last year, and and uh, maybe what his future could be? I will say. Coaches like Sam Pittman make it really hard to not be biased in covering this sport and in traveling to different SEC cities. Coach Pittman, from the day he got on campus in Fayetteville, if he doesn't become your favorite, you've got something wrong with you at that point. What a great man. What a great leader of men. And he's so dialed in. You know, football aside, every conversation I have with Coach Pittman He's either watched something or he brings up a game or he brings up a show. He talks about how him and his wife watch my Wednesday show out of pocket on the SEC network. And it's crazy because most coaches will say, I don't watch any of that stuff. I don't have time. But Coach Pittman says, we sit down and we watch that show. And for a head coach in the SEC to go out of his way to get to know the amount of people personally that he does is pretty incredible. I think that translates into what you see from the type of player he has, from the type of team that he builds every single year and going back to that fight like I mentioned you don't have players and a team have the kind of showing that they had in Gainesville without believing in their head coach and without loving and wanting to fight for their head coach when it comes to some of the struggles I know it's been difficult I know there have been areas that I'm sure Sam Pittman would tell you haven't been good enough and need to improve but I would also say that he's not alone. When you look across the rest of the SEC, outside of maybe the top three, four elite teams, everybody's going through maybe the same thing when it comes to offensive line issues or what we've seen in the trenches. It's been a struggle for a lot of teams. This has been a tough year when it comes to playing in the Southeastern Conference. So it's not just an Arkansas thing, I would say. I, I, I understand that folks get impatient and and you want to win football games but it's a tough league to win in being able to go on the road in Gainesville to a place they've never won before should mean a lot for this coach all right so you've got uh, Auburn next week in Fayetteville I think the Hogs are a three-point favorite you know it's amazing how that works and then you've got uh, Florida International after that and you've got a really good Missouri team so how, how do you feel you obviously got to win out you're at home. So how do you feel about the Hawks' chances? You know, Auburn's an interesting team. I would have maybe said three, four weeks ago that Arkansas, oh, at home, that should be, I don't want to say an easy win because no wins are easy in the SEC. But I might have said, yeah, give me Arkansas in that game. And I think I'd still take the Hogs this weekend. But Auburn's one of those teams that's gotten better and better as the weeks go on. I know they just played Vanderbilt this past weekend. That's one of those games for their quarterback, Peyton Thorne, who has found a way to throw the football and move the ball through the air. Their passing offense has only gotten better and better as the weeks go on. Mix in that running back they've got in Jarquez Hunter, who's ripped off some long, explosive runs so far as well. I went into the season saying, knowing what Hugh Freeze is as a coach, knowing this Auburn team, probably has lower expectations. They're going to mess somebody up at some point this year. Maybe we're talking about that when it comes to the Iron Bowl here in a few weeks. But I do think you've got two teams coming off of confidence-boosting wins, Auburn having won two straight in the SEC. They've got a lot to play for as well. But I think Arkansas could put I, – I like them for two of the last three. I think Missouri's a good team. Missouri could change my mind depending on how they come out against Tennessee this weekend. Are they still, you know, as motivated as they have been all season? But right now I, I, I could see Arkansas winning the next two at so, least. So for the first time we saw this weekend, we saw what we expected at the beginning of the year with KJ and Rocket. Yeah. We saw the offense, the first drive, I think we scored like three seconds, you know, with six plays and 
Uh, we saw what we expected. We saw it almost looked like a Bryles type offense. It was balanced 225 yards passing, running. Rocket looked good. KJ's looking good. And so what we saw at the beginning of the year, they get preseason All-American with the Rocket, KJ second team All-SEC. That's what we were expecting to see this year. Yeah, and it's been a journey, right? I mean, firing Coach Enos, I know, is something that Coach Pittman has talked about, the why and how difficult that was. But I think it can't go understated how difficult the last 10 to 15 days had to have been for KJ, for Rocket, for that offense as well. It's not an easy thing to change a coordinator in the middle of the season. And again, listening to Coach Pittman talk about what that was like with Kenny Guyton being in those rooms, talking through with KJ about, all right, here's what we like, here's what we're really good at, Here's what we maybe have been doing in practice, but we haven't been using in the game. Let's take all that stuff out. And sometimes it's as simple as that, you know, not to be overly biased, but my alma mater went through that last season with the offense at South Carolina, the final two games of the season. They simplify the playbook. They throw out the fluff, if you will, and all of a sudden Spencer Rattler looks like a totally different quarterback from what we saw throughout the course of the season. KJ has never taken that, I don't think, mega step back where he looks like a different quarterback, but we've only seen it in flashes, right? If he's only able to have 0.5 seconds to decide what he wants to do with the football, it's not going to go well for any quarterback, even somebody who runs it as well as K.J. Jefferson. It felt like they put him in more opportunities to decide to run that RPO, to find Rocket Sanders, Rocket breaking out with some of these explosive runs as well. Seeing him healthy for the first time, too, in a while was pretty nice. So if they can copy that, build off of that, clearly y'all saw the relationship that Guyton and, and KJ have. That's worth a million bucks right there. You have uh, <laughs> you were telling me, you do every, so she does everything. She does, you do basically every sport, whether it be uh, in studio, whether it be on site, you know, all the sports. And so, uh, so you know everybody pretty well, and you've gone to every, and you've got different broadcast teams. But you did have the chance to be a part of like four consecutive games. You told me yesterday during that last year of the Chad Morris era. And so, so I just, just want you to re- sort of just share what you remember about speaking in terms of where we are now, where we were then. Yeah. So that was my second season at the SEC Network, and I told Basil in the car yesterday. Even though I went to South Carolina and I'm a Gamecock, I felt like Arkansas was the first fan base when I got to the conference and started covering the conference that I really bonded with (laughs) because, to his point, I was here. It was either four consecutive or one in the middle there in 2019. And as you all know, 2019 wasn't a great year. I was here for that Western Kentucky game, interviewing Western Kentucky's head coach on the field, Arkansas fans, by the time I got to my third straight game, I'm down in the lobby of the graduate getting a coffee before we go over to the stadium. And a couple walked over to me. They said, who did you piss off to keep getting sent here? And I'm like, what do you mean? You guys are you guys are dressed. You're going to the stadium. They're like, yeah, well, because we're fans. We're going to keep going. You don't have to be here. I'm like... So it was one of those moments where I'm sitting here going, man, this fan base, it just bleeds Arkansas through and through. And I knew that coming to the SEC. Like, you know that it just means more in this conference. But experiencing walking out into that stadium and seeing the fans there, even though they maybe weren't very happy with what was going on and they were drinking a little bit more before they got into the stadium, I I, I felt the love that all Arkansas fans have for this football program and for this team. Uh, I got to meet so many great Razorbacks throughout those four games. Then y'all 
started getting good and I stopped getting your games after that. So uh, it's it's been few and far between since that 2019 year, but that was a really special year for me. I think you ought to tell everybody, because you do both uh, uh, on location, broadcasting, sideline, whatever, or on the desk, baseball, softball, whatever, tell everybody sort of a sample week for Alyssa Lane. Oh, so that kind of depends on the season. Football season is a little bit crazier. Yeah, we'll do that. that. We'll yeah, do that. I, I don't have as much time off during football season, which I think probably could be assumed. So on Sunday, we get our assignment for the next week where we'll be going for the game. So I found out yesterday that I'm heading to Baton Rouge next week for Florida at LSU. Um, so on my drive here yesterday, I started listening to some of the Florida postgame press conferences back, starting to kind of decide what storylines we want to attack throughout the week. Uh, I also go back and watch all the other teams that I wasn't able to watch since I'm on the sideline of a game on Saturday. There's usually 12 SEC teams that I'm not able to watch. So I DVR all the games, if DVR is still a word, I don't know anymore. Uh, I record all the games, watch all of them back. Uh, by Monday morning, we're typically having production meetings, not only for our game on Saturday, but for our studio shows as well. So I do a couple studio shows throughout the week. Monday morning, this morning, is when we hop on a Zoom call. We start deciding what kind of segments we want to do, what guests we want to ask for, what Takio Spikes, who co-hosts the show with me, what we're hot about, what we want to talk about throughout the show on Wednesday. Uh, Monday continues to sort of be a prep day. On Tuesday, I host a radio show on SiriusXM with Chris Doring, who y'all just had last week, uh, from 8 to 11. Tuesday, the rest of the day is usually meetings. I'm talking to players when they get out of practice for my game on Saturday because you kind of work around their schedule throughout the week. Wednesday, we do out of pocket. Again, probably more phone calls. Thursday, radio again. Thursday afternoon, I'm packing up, finishing up my prep, printing out all my notes, uh, heading to whatever city I'm heading to. Friday, we're typically in meetings all day. We'll go to the facility with the home team, then head to the hotel to talk to the visiting team, have our production meeting, hammer out the first five minutes of what you're going to see on the broadcast, all the things that we've got to get in on the broadcast, do the game, fly home, rinse and repeat for however many weeks. How about that? Weeks. How about a round of applause for that kind of schedule? But you love it. Oh, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah, so you you first, I think, uh, I think I read where you were in, I think it was maybe either your junior high year, maybe even elementary, you impressed your, your teacher for your ability to speak in front of the class. And she said, I don't know what grade that was, but she goes, maybe this is something because you were very confident speaking in front of the class at a young age. Yeah, so when I was growing up, I was always a big college football fan. That was what my household revolved around. I will say my dad's entire side of the family from New York, New York Jets fans, they weren't very good when I was growing up. So we kind of latched more onto college football. Both my parents went to Virginia Tech. And growing up in Charlotte, we were about two and a half hours down the road from Blacksburg. So I spent almost every weekend in Blacksburg. I mean, I would come home. My dad tells me a story about when I was in second grade and I came home from school and he said, what'd you do today? I said, I got into an argument with somebody at the lunch table. This guy was telling me that a safety is worth one point. And I told him it was worth two. And he's like, why is my second grade daughter getting into arguments about how much a safety is worth at the lunch table? So that was always something that my parents knew about me, loved to argue with my friends about college football. To your point, I got to high school, took a public speaking class. My parents came in, I think, for a parent-teacher conference or something like that, and the teacher said, you know, what does Alyssa want to do when she grows up? They said, well, we're not really sure yet. 
And she said, well, public speaking tends to bother a lot of students, or they don't enjoy it, or they seem uncomfortable. Alyssa doesn't seem to really mind, which is funny, because it always has made me nervous. Still to this day, public speaking makes me nervous, but I've, I guess I can fake it pretty well, um, even back in, in high school. So she was the one that kind of put it in their minds, and my dad said, well, you talk about football. You talk our ears off about football all the time. Why don't you try to do that? And it kind of dawned on me just... I didn't really have a lot of women doing what I do now. When I turned on ESPN, there were a few, but it just had never crossed my mind until that moment when that teacher made the comment and my dad sort of put that together and my parents helped support me from then on. Didn't know anyone who did this. My mom's a teacher, my dad's in IT, so they didn't know anything about it either, um, but it worked out. So you really didn't have anybody that, that well, I mentioned Phyllis George back in the 70s, you really didn't have anybody that you, that's who I want to be like, you sort of, right? So a lot of the role models that I had watching were men, just because there were more men in sports television than there were women. I mean, I remember watching Susie Kolber and Aaron Andrews on the sidelines and seeing what they did, but it just never really crossed my mind that, well, I could do that. It's, that's what Susie and Aaron do. Like, they're the they're the queens of, of the industry, right? Uh, I remember looking up to Tom Rinaldi and watching his career, how he was as a storyteller, and it really just did take that teacher making that comment for even my family to say, maybe this is something you could do. So I, I owe a lot. I owe a lot to that teacher. Well, as your star continues to rise, one of the things that Alyssa is not afraid to do is try crazy things. So Roger and I, where's Roger? Roger and I oh, will do crazy things on the air. We've got, you know, we've got four hours to fill. And so one of the things you have not been uh, scared to try is when you run across interesting stories, I'm, I'm all in. So one, some of you may have heard of this about this. Will Levis, who is now, you know, playing well in the NFL as a rookie, he was at Kentucky, and one of the first things he did was, did you, does anybody know what he does? He's weird when it comes to eating. So, the first thing that he did, we found out that he eats bananas with the peel on it. So, Matt, if we're, if we're good, let's go to the, the clip of this is this is a list on the sideline trying the Will Levis way of eating a banana. Are you really going to do this? Look, guys, this is what we do. This is called content. It's called week one. College football is back. So I bought this banana, I think, on Sunday. And I maybe overaged it a little bit, but we're going to try this. Uh, I'm going to eat it like a weirdo because you know. All right. All right, here we go. <laughs> this whole thing's weird. Oh, yeah. Do not adjust your television sets. Uh, not bad. Not bad? A little crunchy. I'm part of the Will now. All right. So how, how was that? So so backstory to that. Uh, so he had posted that TikTok or whatever it was in the preseason. That was the first year he had gotten to Kentucky. So Kentucky fans are really excited. We had their very first game of the season. And as you saw from the score, it was a blowout, which going into a game, if we know it might be blowout territory, we plan things ahead for the second half so that we can try to entertain the fans that are left watching right. it. So I had told Will and Mark Stoops on Friday that we were planning to do this. Will was all about it. He thought it was great. Stoops, I asked him, I said, well, do you want to do it in the post-game interview? If we see you then, should I, should I get a second banana? And the whole idea with Kentucky at that point was we've been a run-first football team. we got to figure out how to throw the football. And I said, well, how about, how about a little bet? If you hit over... 200, I think it was higher, but say 200 yards passing. And he said, I'll do it. So he pulls Levis at like 192. 
And Levis walks over to me on the sidelines. He's like, you know he did that on purpose. And I said, <laughs> well, you know what? I'll do it. I'll step up to the plate and do it. So I don't think Stoops appreciated me backing him into the banana corner in the pregame interview and uh, <laughs> yeah. making him agree to do that. But it, it really wasn't. That bad? I won't do it again. Well, but it wasn't. You, you, but that that wasn't enough. Let's go to the next one, Matt. Where uh, so apparently he puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Was something that Roger did try on the show. So let's go to that, Matt, if you can. This is this is you doing uh, mayonnaise in the coffee. Here we go. So I'm hoping. Uh, and that's Will Levis there. Great SID there at Kentucky has provided you with coffee and mayonnaise so that you can join me on this journey. If I'm going to do it, you have to do it. But I have to see it actually happen. Is that water or tea? That is coffee. 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 Okay. That's hot coffee. <laughs> is this enough? Like, do I need to put more in there? You squeezed a lot in. I'll, I'll go I for another scoop. Yeah. You made your bed. Let's lie. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we were going to go all in, folks. Yeah, I definitely need to stir it. Stir it up. Doesn't matter if you stir it up or not. Here we go. I love the reaction here. I'm just glad we're doing this together. I need oh. big sips, though. Like, what we're not going to do is just take little baby sips, especially you, Alyssa. Yeah, I'm yeah. shaking right now because this is, like, you said it in the TikTok, Will. It just pools at the top. Like, yeah. I, I wish y'all could see the top so really without me spilling it. Like, it's, it's disgusting. Like, it's awful. Big sips, crew. Come on, team. There we go. Right, are you ready? You ready? Cheers. Big cheers. cheers. Watch the reaction here, Alyssa. Cheers. Wow, he took another one. Yep. You need, you good? Mine's really hot. You good? So. Yeah, swallow it, Lane. <laughs> yep, just go ahead. Good job. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was disgusting. All right, so that's that's challenge number two. So that was that was gross. So there, there's another little backstory to that one. So once I ate the banana, Kentucky fans are like, "Oh, you're in now. You you got to do everything he does." So then a couple weeks after week one was when he posted the mayonnaise in the coffee video. So then Kentucky fans are, I have never had a fan base blow me up about one thing like this before. You got to do this. I'm like, guys, I'm not just going to wake up one morning and do this. So Kentucky hadn't beaten Florida at, I can't remember, it was in Gainesville or in Lexington in however many years. And I said, you know what? If y'all beat Florida this weekend, I'll do the mayonnaise and coffee trick. So, and lo and behold, they did for the first time in like 20 years or whatever it had been. Um, the fun part about that, we taped that at about noon the day before the show because that was the only time that will levis was available and thank god because i actually thought i was going to throw up yeah, sure. i i would i was you know oh am i gonna have to play this up a little bit for tv get a little over dramatic no that reaction i, I genuinely was thought genuine. i was gonna throw up on yes. live tv <laughs> that was gonna be pretty bad <laughs> the the other thing that Alyssa's is known for is your react your interaction with the late Mike Leach mm -hmm. and so you saw well we we did get a chance to see because Sully still didn't play Matt let's go the first one that you did about Halloween you decided that you wanted to bring up something about Halloween candy some of you may have seen that if you haven't this is this is classic Mike Leach here we go we talked about on the broadcast how you hate candy corn what's your favorite Halloween candy corn I mean I completely hate candy corn. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, well, gummy bears, let's see. Uh, gummy bears for sure. Sour or regular? Uh, um, 
the, the hair bows, cut me the hair bow ones. And then uh, the other thing I like is uh, it's when they used to have the, the uh, sprees in a box. Outstanding. You have to go to the dollar store to find it, but I do. And then the latest, the, the latest, you know, there's still candy innovation, although a while back I found that Europe had better candy than we did overall because <laughs> they have gummy everything. And then, uh, but uh, um, the, uh, you know, they have those nerds clusters, which is new. The gummy. Yeah, which is good. The nerds clusters is good. Then if you go chocolate, uh, probably almond joy. Hopefully you'll get some of that next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Thanks, Coach. All right, thank you. So, so, so you got a, a huge response from that. That yeah. was great to ask him because I mean, you, you want us. We had him at the Touchdown Club, and he was a fascinating guy. I took him to uh, to Waffle House at midnight when he got in, and he doesn't want to talk about football. No, no, which no. Which is, no. is it like yeah, right. he's the only coach? I had some some Bama fans tweeting me, "You never do that with Nick Saban." I was like, "Duh, I would never do that with Nick Saban." But if you've ever worked with Mike Leach and you do your Friday, like I talked about the Friday meetings before the game, I mean, you were lucky if you could get two, three questions about his actual team in because he wanted to talk to you about anything else, which is why he was, you know, perfect in that moment. And I knew he had the history with candy corn and it was Halloween weekend. So why not? And the most personal story, because uh, you were I think you were engaged at the time you asked coach uh, about uh, being married and engagement. And he had a classic answer here. I know you have strong thoughts on weddings. Um, I'm in the middle of planning one right now. Do you have any advice for me? Who are you marrying? His name is Trevor. Okay, yeah, well, I'll have to you set up a meeting and I'll talk to him. Uh, okay, so uh, where's Trevor from? He's from Florida. What does Trevor do for a living? He works in sports as well, covers football. He does what? He covers football as well. Really? Well, I don't know. We'll keep a close eye on it, but whatever you and Trevor decide, I would kind of keep it on the down low, which you failed to do that. planning <laughs> to, but you didn't. Uh, so go ahead and uh, uh, don't, don't say anything else about it, but as soon as the season's over, or even an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. Go elope. Because uh, basically every female in the family is going to terrorize you guys until it's over. Once it's over, I mean, they'll be upset for a few days, but it'll be over. And then, you know, you cruise away, uh, along, have a happy marriage, have a happy life. I'll pass along the message. Thanks, Coach. Congrats uh, on the win. Trevor, unless he's crazy, is totally on my side. And trust <laughs> me, I'm here. If Trevor doesn't uh, have the sense to do that, Tell him to call me because, I mean, he needs to do trust. I, t- I told all my kids, I'll give you $10,000 extra if you elope. So I, I would, too. I'll have him call you for sure. So that that oh, that went it. viral. That was one of the great clips of yeah. just only Mike Leach could do, and you got obviously a great response. Yeah, you know it was funny when uh, the candy corn interview. I think was 2021. That interview was last year, and when I got to Starkville, some of the folks uh, around the football program are like, "What are you going to ask, Coach, this time if we do a post?" So it kind of became this expectation, and I tweeted about it. I think you know there was this unspoken understanding between the two of us that we're both weird. Let's get a little weird after I ask, you know, the two obligatory football questions about your game, which is funny. I, I got some heat on that. They're like, how did you just take the post-game interview and ask about your wedding? I said, well, I asked about the game first, 
But that didn't make the air because nobody cared about that answer because everyone cared about the, the wedding answer. But I will say he was 100% correct about everything that he said. And what you know breaks my heart the most about losing him and, and the timeline of that interview, because that was only about a month or two before he passed away, my hope was when the season ended that I could set up a meeting with him and Trevor because not only did I want Trevor to have the opportunity to talk to this man, but I thought, you know, what better life checkbox to have than to be able to say, yeah, we talked about our wedding with one of the greatest football minds of all time in Mike Leach, and, and I'm so sad that we never got the opportunity to do that. Um, but I will say, Coach Leach, if you're up there listening, I'm the one who wanted to elope all along. It's my fiancé and my dad who don't want us to elope, so I really needed him to talk to them. And speaking of Trevor, real quick, we'll show a picture. There's the, that's Trevor, and that's your very nice big ring right there. And so no, no date has been set yet, right? Not yet. And and I'm not joking when I say that he works in sports as well. He covers the NFL. So we have about two and a half weeks in the middle of July where neither of us have any work responsibilities. And it's really hard to plan a wedding in two and a half weeks and with the schedule that we have. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of kicking the can down the road so that one day we can just go to the courthouse and he'll get sick of waiting to just plan something. <laughs>